Thank you for listening to this audio message from Christ Fellowship Leesville. We exist to make disciples for the glory of Jesus. We pray God uses this message to help you grow in your walk with Christ. To learn more about Christ Fellowship, please visit us online at ChristFellowshipNC.org. Good morning, everyone. Uh, if you uh, have your Bibles, open them up to Hebrews chapter 5. Going to be in Hebrews 5 this morning. And, and while you're turning there, uh, I think it'll help us to have a reminder of what it is that we have been and will be reading uh, in Hebrews. The writer of this letter, uh, this sermon, this series of essays, speeches, however we describe it, he he didn't sit down and write out and think out, what can I put together that would be a very great sermon series for churches over uh, weeks and months of meetings together? He wrote and edited this letter by God's inspiration to be read out loud to his audience as one whole complete work. Another thing he didn't do when he wrote it is he didn't break it down into chapters and verses and paragraphs. There's none of that in the original. So why do I bring all of that up? Because if we're not careful, and I am certainly guilty of this, we gather this morning to hear God's word from Hebrews, and we disconnect it from what was read seven days ago or 14 days ago, and we'll disconnect it again from what we hear a week from now. But we're not going to be good students of God's Word if we do that, if we practice that, if we approach Hebrews that way. So with all that said, now that you've got your place in Hebrews chapter 5, we're going to jump back to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. We're going to read the same passage uh, Jonathan read, and we're going to include chapter 5, verses 1 through 4 in that, and I think the text will make it really clear why we're doing that. So, and then we'll focus our attention on verses 1 through 4 of chapter 5. So, beginning in chapter 4, verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. This is the word of the Lord Let's go to God in prayer and ask for his help as we discern it this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the gift of your word to us. It's one of many of your generous gifts. 
who, that shows us uh, the story of how you are at work in the world, how you are at work in history, how you are at work right now in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. And I pray you would be at work through your word in our hearts and our lives this morning. Give me the truth to speak. Give uh, the people, your, your children here, eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive what you would speak to us through your word this morning. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus. We love you. Amen. So one of my favorite stories in the Bible is Jesus walking with two disciples on the way to uh, the road to Emmaus right after his resurrection. And for whatever reason, these two disciples don't recognize Jesus, and they start talking to him about what had just happened um, over the last few days, how Jesus was crucified. They thought he would be the one to rescue Israel, but now he's been executed. And some women said that he's risen from the dead. It's just too much. We're going home. And Jesus scolds them a little bit, calls them foolish ones. You're, you're slow to believe what the prophets had said about the Christ and how he would suffer uh, for the sins of many. And then, starting with Moses and the prophets, he begins to unpack the Hebrew scriptures uh, to those two disciples concerning himself. And part of me is a little bit upset with Luke, who wrote this story in his gospel account. Really, really, Luke, you couldn't give us even just a little bit of what Jesus said to those disciples. That would help us immensely to look back in the Scriptures and understand what he was talking about there. And maybe in some way, the author of Hebrews is giving us some of that insight. He is constantly, as we have read up through these first four chapters, going into chapter five, he's quoting and he's re-quoting the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, to draw attention to Jesus, the exalted one, the one that all the story of the Bible is pointing to. And what Jonathan introduced us to last week, and we'll continue in, in chapter 5 this week, is this role of the high priest in Israel. The, the high priest, the, the priest uh, the, the role of the priest in Israel, it's actually a very strong theme that goes through the story of the Bible. And I don't want to assume that we all here have a, a great understanding of what that role is, or at least having a basic understanding. And that's going to give us uh, a more appreciation for what we're reading in our passage this morning. But rather than hear me just blabber on about it, we're going to watch a video that is going to highlight the theme of priests in the Old Testament and how that role began in the Scriptures. The story of the Bible begins in a garden temple with a couple, Adam and Eve, as God's royal priests. They're supposed to partner with God to take care of creation, and this place where heaven and earth are one is filled with God's blessing. But Adam and Eve were led astray by a deceptive creature and exiled from God's presence. Their vocation as priests is lost. And with that, all humanity descends into violence. 
But God promises that a new royal priest will come to lead them back into the blessing of Eden by sacrificing himself. So later on, we meet a new couple, Abraham and Sarah. God promises that through their family, the royal priest will come to restore the Eden blessing, not just for them, but for all the nations. And so it's this family that grows to become the Israelites. And they eventually journey to Egypt and then become enslaved under the violent rule of King Pharaoh. So God appoints a man named Moses to represent him to Pharaoh and to mediate on Israel's behalf. Moses confronts Pharaoh and then leads Israel out of slavery and into the wilderness where they eventually come to Mount Sinai. And here God appears to all the Israelites, inviting them to become a kingdom of priests. So he's inviting everyone to be priests, like Adam and Eve were priests in Eden. Right. But it turns out the people are afraid of God and they don't want to come close to God's presence. And so Moses goes alone up to the top of the mountain. And up there, Moses famously gets the Ten Commandments. The first two being worship Yahweh alone and don't make idol statues. And Moses sees some really amazing things up there. First, he sees God's heavenly temple and then also a blueprint of it called the pattern. All right, the plans for the construction of the tabernacle. Yeah, it's designed as a symbolic model of Eden, a place where heaven and earth are one. Then Moses sees something else, the pattern of a glorious human figure. The high priest who will work in the tabernacle. Right, and only this priest can go in and out of the sacred space on behalf of others. He's dressed in white, he wears a crown and is glowing with jewels. He's an image of the royal priest that we're waiting for. And yet the man who's called to be Israel's first high priest is the brother of Moses, a man named Aaron. And while Moses is up seeing all of this, down at the foot of the mountain, Aaron is misleading the people by making an idol statue of God. So the soon-to-be high priest is breaking the first of the Ten Commandments. Yes, and so God gets angry and he tells Moses that he's done with these people. He'll just start over with Moses. But Moses stands before God and he intercedes for the Israelites. He even offers his own life as a sacrifice for their sins. And while God doesn't take Moses' life, he does forgive the people like Moses asked. And so when Moses comes down from the mountain, he's shining just like the high priest that he saw in his vision. It's like he's the real priest that his brother was supposed to be, but failed. And from here, the tabernacle is built. And then Aaron's family is installed to the priesthood. But really, even after this bad start? Yeah, and actually things get even worse. God gives Aaron and his sons really precise instructions on how to act as the priests. And then on their first day on the job, Aaron's two sons violate God's commands. And because they're in a place of great privilege and responsibility, God deals severely. They die inside the tabernacle. Things are not looking good for the priesthood of Aaron. Right, both Aaron and his sons have failed in their priestly role. And this begins to make us think, maybe God's people need a different kind of priesthood. Maybe one that's more like Moses, who surrendered his very life over to God. Yes, and while Moses is great, he also fails to be fully obedient to God. And so both he and Aaron die outside the land promised to Abraham. So Moses was only an image of the kind of priest that God's people will need. Right, we're still waiting for this ultimate royal priest who will intercede like Moses and offer his life for the failures of others. The Israelites eventually make it into the promised land and there they appoint a king and establish a kingdom. Perhaps now God's royal priest can arrive. 
Then this brings us to King David, and his story is what we're going to look at next. So the video we just watched, it's um, from an animation studio called Bible Project, and it's actually part of a six-part series of this theme of priests running through the scriptures. I encourage you to check that out either at their website, bibleproject.com, or on YouTube. Those videos are totally free, and uh, it'll actually help us as we're going to be spending a lot of time in Hebrews looking at uh, the idea of Jesus being the high priest. But let's do a quick recap of what we just watched. So the video showed us that Adam and Eve, they sin in the garden, and God sets forth the plan to redeem and restore humanity and creation. For whatever reason, God just doesn't want to give up on humans. He wants to be with them. So he begins working on the small scale to uh, impact the large scale. So he chooses Abraham and calls him and his family uh, to be sanctified to himself so that through him and his family, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And then he chooses Moses to lead Israel out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land and teach them a new way of life serving God. So when Israel comes to Mount Sinai, God sets forth for Moses the way he and his people can dwell together. And God's heavenly presence will enter the tabernacle they, they build, and the high priest will be this appointed representative for God uh, to represent God to the humans and represent the humans to God. And that brings us back to Hebrews chapter 5. So there's three things in this passage I want us to see about the priest. The first is we see that he is the servant priest. The second is that he is the gentle priest. And third, he is the interceding priest. So let's look back at verse 1 and see how the high priest is the servant priest. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So the question uh, becomes, how does, how does someone get to become the high priest of Israel in this story? Well, verse 1 tells us they're chosen, they're appointed by God. And jump down to verse 4, we see no one takes this honor for himself. They're called by God, like Aaron was in the story. Don't read over that too quickly. God in his kingly providence, chooses, appoints, and calls individuals to this high priestly role. And he's doing that all through the scriptures, as we just talked about with Abraham and Moses, and he even does it with us. 1 Peter 2.9 says of followers of Christ, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, there's our priest idea again, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now that's a sermon, 
That's worth a sermon in and of itself, but that would be a digression. We can't go there. But the point the author of Hebrews is making, and all the authors of the Scriptures are making, is that being God's representative, representing Him to the people of Israel, to the nations, whatever the calling is, it is a calling. It is a gift. It isn't something you get to earn for yourself. So why was it this way with the high priest? Well, as you saw in that video, and, and Moses on the mountain sees this vision and description of what the high priest would be, he's wearing these special garments that would give him this kind of shiny, shimmery appearance. He had special privileges and responsibilities that no one else in Israel would have. And as you can imagine, that could quickly become a position of pride and superiority, and the story of the Scriptures kind of bear that out, how many priests would fall prey to that. But the point of God calling these individuals was not to give them power or prestige. The point was for them to serve, to serve both God and serve the people as their representative. So as God chose this person for the position, he is setting them up to be a servant. Now, how would they serve? Well, verse 1 tells us they serve by offering gifts and sacrifices for sins. You have to ask yourself, if God is, if he is holy and, and he can't be with sin, he can't be associated with sin, how does this God who dwells in the heavenly realm say that he's going to be with these earthly people, these sinners in Israel, because they've already proven in the story that they're sinners, how, how do they get to dwell together? Well, in the Old Testament Torah, the law, the teachings that he gave to Israel, he prescribes gifts, offerings, sacrifices, that the people could bring to the priests and to the high priests that would be offered up as this sweet fragrance to God. And in particular, the sin offerings of Israel were God's gift to them, God's way of granting them forgiveness for their failures so that he can come and dwell in the tabernacle in their midst so he and his people could become one together. The high priest is the one to bring the sin offering to the Lord, to bring these gifts to the Lord as an act of service. As he represents the people to God, he's serving Yahweh and saying, here are the gifts of your people that you've called us to give. Please receive them as the, as the atonement for our sins and restore the blessing of your presence in our lives. So that's how the priest is the servant priest. Next, we'll see how the high priest is the gentle priest. Look at verse 2. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. So something else that God intends for this role in particular is that the high priest is going to, when he deals with the people directly, he's going to be gentle with them in their failures. So the people 
they're not just bringing these offerings to the high priests, particularly the sin offerings. They got to bring them and confess why it is that they're bringing these offerings to Yahweh. So put yourself in an Israelite shoes or sandals, I, I guess would be more accurate. And just imagine what it would be you, you've done something to wrong your neighbor. You have broken the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. You know you've sinned. And you need to make that right with the God who is dwelling right there in your presence. So you would bring this perfect animal to the priest, and you would confess to the priest that sin of wronging your neighbor and how you wronged him. And then the priest is going to kill this innocent animal in your place, their blood in the place of yours. That ritual is meant to have a profound impact on you, that what I have done has cost the life of something or someone that's innocent, an animal in this case. It's meant to lead you into repentance. And you go through that process, you can imagine what it would be like as an Israelite to go before this shiny, shimmery high priest who looks like he's pretty exalted and high up and say, here's what I've done wrong. But the very first high priest, Aaron, gives us a glimpse into the priest's need for gentleness. So as the video showed, Aaron wasn't just, he didn't just do some simple thing wrong. He broke the first two commandments. He's leading Israel into idolatry, even while God and Moses are present up there on the mountain. He's doing that, that audaciously. And then when Moses confronts him, he can't even bring himself to make a proper confession about it. Like, oh, the Israelites gave me all this gold and I threw it into the fire. And woof, this cow came out of it. Like, he can't even admit to fully to what he had done wrong. So, as Hebrews says, Aaron, the high priests, they're beset with the weakness of sin. They're just the same as the people. So, far from looking down his nose at the people as they brought their sin offerings for forgiveness, Aaron would be able to say to them in gentleness, I'm a sinful failure too. I've done much worse than you. Aren't we glad that Yahweh right here is ready to forgive both of us? So God's representative to the, as God's representative to the people, the high priest's gentleness dealing with sin would show how God would deal gently with the, to the people for their failures. And then verse 3, we're going to see that he's not only a servant priest, he's not only a gentle priest, he is the interceding priest. Because of this, he's obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. I've spent the last month or so studying uh, through the book of Leviticus. The word that keeps coming to my mind with it, it's been such a luminous experience. It's just so full of light for me because um, I know 
when people make a commitment in the beginning of a year, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. You get through Genesis. There's a lot of exciting stories in Genesis. Exodus, there's uh, so much to read in the stories there. And you get to this Mount Sinai thing, and then it's like you hit a brick wall. Here's all these blueprints and rules and commands, and it just keeps rolling right into Leviticus, and it even rolls right into Numbers, and people can hit the book of Leviticus, and they're like, I'm done. I tried. I can't, I can't do it. Um, and I used to be that way too. I used to read it as this collection of rules and regulations. But I'm beginning to see more and more that this is a rich collection of gifts that God gave to his chosen people. And one of those gifts is what would happen when Aaron was commissioned as the high priest of Israel. We read this in Leviticus 9-7. Then Moses said to Aaron, draw near. Does that, does that verse sound familiar? Uh, those words sound familiar to us from Hebrews chapter 4? Draw near to the altar and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and for the people. And bring the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. God is making a commandment there, but it's not a commandment of do this or else. It's I'm giving you the way that we can be together. So follow that instruction. Aaron needed forgiveness for his sinful failures just as the people did. And so, as Jonathan mentioned last week, once a year, he would make atonement for himself and for the people, and it was called the Day of Atonement. You can read that in Leviticus 16. It is a glorious day. There's so much we could open up about that as well. We just don't have time to examine it in full. But in fact, maybe we'll get to examine a little bit more when we hit Hebrews chapter 9. Suffice to say that Aaron would enter this holy space with God dwelling in the tabernacle, and he would, on behalf of himself and the people, plead the blood of, of an innocent animal as an atoning sacrifice for their sin. And as the video showed, it wasn't just Aaron that was doing this intercessory role Moses himself, when, when the people broke God's commandment, he's on the mountain pleading with God to remember his covenant, to remember his promise to the people, and he's interceding for them that God would forgive their failures. Both of these are beautiful images, but they're just images. They're just the moon reflecting the light of the sun to us. So this all begs the question, why is the author of Hebrews bringing these things to our attention? Why is he digging back into the story and highlighting the role of the high priest for us? Well, remember what we read in Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16, what Jonathan preached on last week. We as followers of Jesus are supposed to hold fast to our confession. We're supposed to draw near to the presence of God and to his throne of grace. The high priesthood of Israel, it was messed up from the start. 
both with Aaron and his massive failure leading the people into idolatry and his two sons who recklessly did not follow God's instructions, tried to offer the strange fire, the scripture says, on their own, and God deals severely with them. And yet, even with all of that, this priesthood was still a gift, even if it was a temporal one, to represent God to his people and have a way for them to draw near to him in their confession of faith that Yahweh, the God of heaven and earth, he's my God and I'm going to hold fast to him. So God invites his people into this covenant fellowship with him and he does so with the high priest being this gentle, humble, serving intercessor for them. At one point in the story of Exodus, God proclaims his character to Moses and to Israel in this way, Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. And the high priest, as God's chosen image, as as someone who would represent his character to the people of Israel, he's supposed to shine out that same compassion, that same grace, that same patience, that same loyalty, that same faithfulness to the people. But he would do so imperfectly. And as the video showed, we're, we're still waiting. The story of Israel goes on, but we're still waiting for that high priest who would offer the ultimate sacrifice, the one who would lay down his life in their place. Brothers and sisters, we have that high priest, that exalted high priest, who isn't just entered the holy place of a tent, he's entered the holiest place in the heavens, Jesus Christ. As chapter 4, verse 15 tells us, Jesus was also beset with every weakness we have experienced, except that he did not sin. And maybe you hear that and you think, well, then Jesus can't really fully relate to me because I've sinned, I'm a failure, and Jesus has never sinned, he never failed. But even though he never sinned, even though he was innocent, he bore our sin and its consequences on the cross. All of our guilt, all of our shame, all of our judgment we rightly deserved, Jesus took all of that on himself, on the cross, on our behalf. He didn't enter the holy place with the blood of a lamb or a goat. He entered it having shed his own blood to make atonement for us. Why? So that the God of heaven and we sinners here on earth could one day be reunited as one, that we could dwell together with him again. And what is the heartbeat of this high priest? What is the heartbeat of Jesus? Matthew chapter 11, Jesus tells us this, come to me, draw near to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you 
rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We'll get to learn more about Jesus as our great high priest as we continue, Lord willing, in Hebrews chapter 5 in the coming week. As we go into a time of response where we take what we've heard, we examine our hearts, and we respond to the Spirit as He's hopefully working in us, and we have hopefully soft hearts to receive that, I have one response we can take, and it blends in with what Jonathan gave us last week. It's one I need to remember all the time. It's one I know we as His church need to remember all the time. Embrace the gentle compassion and grace of God as His generous gift to us. Does God deal with sin with perfect righteousness and justice? Yes, He does. The story of the Scriptures makes that clear. But He gave His people Israel this gift of an atoning sacrifice. He gave them this gift of the high priest that they may know, they would know that they were forgiven, that they were accepted. And he has given us, the church, the greatest high priest in Jesus, who even now, right at the Father's right hand, is interceding for us, and he's welcoming us to the throne of grace. So if you have struggled to see the generous mercy of Yahweh for your weak, sinful heart, then as John Bunyan once put it, come and welcome to Jesus Christ. If this morning you're a follower of Jesus, but you feel like over the past week you haven't been running, you haven't been walking, you're like barely crawling to him because sin has just weighed you down, Come and welcome to Jesus Christ. Because as we sang last week these lyrics, before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Jesus is our great high priest. He is the one who was appointed by God. He is now serving, risen and ascended to the Father. He is now our serving, gentle, interceding Savior. All praise to him. Amen? Let's pray. O King Jesus, we bow before you, I pray with our hearts humbled as we see the story of Israel and see our own story in them, that we are given to idols, we are given to sin and rebel against you. And still the heartbeat of the scriptures is that you want to dwell with us and us with you. You gave the gift of the high priest so that 
we would be able to see you and know you and know your heart and know we could be forgiven and accepted. And I thank you most of all that Jesus has come. He is the great high priest who has shed his blood on our behalf, who even now is interceding for us in ways we could never pray for ourselves. So even this morning, Father, I cry for the hearts of those in this room, those who may be watching over a live stream. Have mercy on us. Draw our hearts to you. Help us to know your compassion, your grace, your slowness to anger, your loyal love, your faithfulness to us. Not because of anything that we have done, but all glory be to Jesus, our great high priest, who has lived, who's died, who's rose again, who has ascended to you as our high priest. We praise the crucified and risen King Jesus this morning. And we pray these things in his glorious name. We love you. Amen.